Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the China Shop. You made it. Well, maybe not welcome back. Maybe this is your first time. If so, thanks for showing up. I'm Shopkeeper Dan. With me, as always, is Kyle, creator of FinancialIneptitude.com. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Ah, fantastic. I actually made one trade today. Oh? Scratched it for two pennies on the, the option, so I made 68 cents. Nice. Feeling pretty good about that. Yeah. That's a win. It's a win. (laughs) (laughs) Who's our guest today? Anyhow, today we are joined by none other than the inimitable Jason Lawhorn from the Completely Off the Rails podcast. How are you doing today, Jason? I am doing well. I appreciate you guys having me. Jason, uh, you you guys are completely off the rails, not just off the rails. What What does that mean? Well, completely off the rails is just there because... There are a lot of off the rails, but there's only one completely off the rails. Mm. So it's more mm-hmm. of a finding us easier than <laughs> than anything else. So it's not a it's not like a complete train wreck. <laughs> no, no, it is. It is. It absolutely is. <laughs> but, it's, but it's fun. But it's a lot of fun. So you you like to uh, you are a day trader during the day for your your normal job. Now you started. Uh, I think you told us back in January. Yeah, full time January. How long have you guys been doing the podcast? Uh, since April, like the middle of April. Okay, so you started day trading first, then the podcast. Yeah, well, what happened was I was day trading, and then my wife, she's a she's a therapist, a marriage and, and family therapist, and she works from home, and of course, so do I. Mm-hmm. And I was getting on her nerves, so she told me <laughs> I needed to- <laughs> as old as time. <laughs> right. So she told me I needed a hobby. So... She had an idea for a podcast and I was like, all right, well, I got plenty of time to work on that. So that's, that's kind of where it came from. It was her idea. And then I ran with it because if not, I'd, I'd probably be doing a podcast on divorce. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just, just recently did one called Settlemates. Oh yeah. That yeah. A little bit. <laughs> oh, so, you know, I don't know if I've ever heard the term before, but joking, it's my wife and I, it's our second marriage. And you go into your first one with a bunch of stuff that you want. Mm. And your second one, you go in a bun- with a bunch of stuff you won't put up with. So you're like, hey, here's my list of stuff that I'm going to bail if you do. And, you know, do you like my list? Cool. I like your list. Cool. And then we just, you know, that's, that's how our marriage works. And then I just kind of came up with, you know, there's no such thing as soulmates. Basically, a settlement is just somebody that you find that you can put up with so you don't die alone. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. God, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> she, she doesn't. She doesn't always love it when I introduce it like that. But you know, <laughs> it works. what's it like being married to a therapist? Um, you know, she doesn't do it to me. 
um, which is good. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and I will say it's kind of tough some days. And, and I think that's where the podcast actually came from with her idea is because of confidentiality, she can't tell me anything. Mm-hmm. And there are some days where I can tell that she's had a bad day just because of some of the stuff that she has to talk with her clients, but she can't tell me anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of tough as a husband who wants to fix things. And it's like, I don't know what's wrong, but we, we just have this podcast where we take on people's issues and it's usually petty, stupid stuff that people fight about. And then we talk about it, we make fun of them and we make fun of the problems. And then we give them some kind of solution at the end. But really it's just, it's almost her outlet to kind of just, just, you know, decompress for the week or whatever. But do any of your clients listen? Um, I hope not. <laughs> no, I, I don't know, but I do know that we, we never talk about anything that, that would come up in, in her sessions at all. Okay. So not even like in a roundabout way, like she's not just, she's not screaming at the internet, but like with details that might be a little too close to home. Right. And there are times where we'll go out to Reddit and find something where people are talking about relationship advice or, you know, the, am I the asshole thread and all that. So, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. We'll, we'll take those on because we definitely know that's not her clients. So <laughs> <laughs> who goes to Reddit for advice? Uh, stupid people. I mean, to be honest, cause I mean, those people are brutal. Yeah. I see it on there all the time. Yeah. And it's an awful place. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> I it's great content for us, but it's awful for them. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. So uh, why, don't we, uh, why don't you tell us about how you got into the markets? Like how long have you been dabbling before you decided to take the plunge? So of course, when COVID hit, I, so I've been off and on like military and banking. So I was mm. in the military when I went in when I was 22 and got done with trading, uh, with training, woke up at my first duty station on September 11th, 2001. So mm. that was a, that was a pretty good uh, way to start the military. And then when I got out, I just, I started working in banking. My entire family was in banking. So I did that for a little while and then thought I wanted to go back in the army, went back in, um, realized that I did not, uh, <laughs> but they, they went ahead and sent me into Iraq one more time to make sure that I knew that I was done. Just in case. Yeah. Just in case. <laughs> just uh, <laughs> and then, and then came back and, uh, went into banking after that, did that for a few years. And then I worked for a bank that was recently acquired by another one. And while you know COVID was going on, we got to work from home, and and while we're doing that, I did I did my job, mm-hmm. but I also started you know because I wasn't part of the GameStop stuff and AMC, but I was kind of like interested. I was like, okay, how does trading work? And then started looking at day trading, and I was like, okay, well, I, can, I mean, I could do that probably. So I started like reading about it and watching some tutorials on YouTube, and then got into the paper trading, make sure because I'm like, I'm not I'm not using my money until I've tried this. Right. So I, I did that for a while um, while I was working because I knew my severance was coming. <laughs> so, um, but um, so I just I just did a lot of research and, and practice for a while. And probably mm, I'd say July of, of last year is when I started really focusing on it. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, I, I knew that that my job would be eliminated, which was totally fine because the severance was great. And it allowed me to 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 go in full time. And it's also great because I've got a spouse who she's got a really good job, but she's also very supportive. And she's like, mm-hmm. look, just do it. Just try it, see what happens. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, you can back to work. But for now, just do it. So been doing it full time since January. And it has been um, huh, fun, I guess, is the word. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a roller coaster every day. I think you, I think you go through every stage of, of grief every day. 
Yeah. yeah. Yep. That sounds like a good explanation. Sometimes you, you cycle through two or three times. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yeah. at the same time. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like I'm short ES, but my portfolio is taking a beating. Which one do I want to wait for? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Did you realize how much work is going to actually be involved when you first uh, started messing around with it? Not when I first started, no. I mean, because, I mean, I didn't go in with the, you know, because you see some things on YouTube where people are like, make $1,300 to $3,000 a day. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's not a thing <laughs> when you first start. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's doable, but let's be real. nothing <laughs> Nothing's going to come that easy to anybody. So I started looking for people who did it live that you could watch and you could see them screw up. Yeah. Um, and then you could see what they did uh, because I felt like that was more accurate of what day trading would be. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, I just, I just tried like six or seven different sites and different apps and, and paper trading and, and seeing which ones make, made the sense, made the most sense to me. Which, uh, which one did you end up going with for the paper trading? I started with, it was an E-Trade account that I was using and then it was Thinkorswim. And mm-hmm. then I finally fell on, on Weeble is the one that I use. Does Weeble let you paper trade options? Uh, I don't know. Because I ran into options and I was like, mm, I'm going to option out of that for right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you just trade stocks. Oh, yeah. 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 And, you know, it's funny because people would be like, well, what stocks you trade? What are you looking at? What do you think is good? And I was like, I don't care. Like, I, I really, I don't, I don't care what's going on with the company. I don't care, you know, other than maybe looking at the short term, like if they had, you know, their, their, you know, they came out with their earnings and it wasn't great. So I'm like, all right, maybe I'll short it or, but once I, once I trade it, I forget it. So it's not financial advice when, when my family asks stuff, it's just, what do they do? I don't know. I don't even know what they make. I don't even know what they do. I just know that it's going down and I'm going to short it or it's going up and I'm going to buy it. So, so it sounds like you do kind of uh, focus more on technical analysis. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there are, don't get me wrong. I don't know it enough Mm -hmm. to actually look at if I was going to say, you know, I'm going to go like really long on something and, you know, just buy it and then forget it type of thing. I, I don't know that much about it. Um, but just from the day trade aspect, yeah, I kind of look at, at patterns. The last, I will say that the first few months of the year were pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I didn't have any big issues. And then here recently, it's been crazy. So stuff that normally would make sense is not making sense. Like I'll go back and look at like three months ago, four months ago and see how the patterns were. And I'll look at it today and I'm like, that's not even close to what it was. So it's, it's a little more difficult for me right now being, you know, only six months in mm-hmm. um, to kind of kind of catch the, the right time to get in and out. But I'm still above my $25,000 day trade <laughs> number. So as long as I stay above that, I'm all right for now. There you go. Uh, that is a good point, though. Uh, the markets do have seasonality to them. Getting into the summer months, things tend to slow down quite a bit more. Uh, maybe that's kind of what you're seeing right now. Not only that, we're in a we're in a bear market. Well, that too. You know, we spent the last how many years in a bull market? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, since 2008, basically been pretty much upward bound. Yeah, and it's pretty easy to trade when everything's going up. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we learned that lesson too. Yeah, and and it, and at first I was like, I, I don't want to short anything. It scares me. Because you think, you know, you could infinitely lose money if you don't get out. But it's like, well, you can also just buy and get out and and take the loss. But for whatever reason, it scared me for the longest time. And I was like, well, I keep losing when I buy. So let me see the shorting thing. And then I had some, I did pretty well on it at first. And I'm like, all right, so now I'm pretty comfortable. So that's that's more of what I like to do. Because stocks typically, (laughs) they always turn around the wrong way. (laughs) But I also feel like I can manipulate the market. 
So, oh, yeah. Like if you like want something to go up, just let me know and I'll short it for you. Right. A familiar feeling in all of us. Yes. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, that is interesting. You bring up the difference between buying and shorting. Um, I don't know if you've heard uh, anybody talk about the emotions and the way that the markets are basically, that's what fuels them. Kind of. It's more of my emotions than... <laughs> <laughs> well, all the market participants. Um, there's there's two main emotions, fear and greed, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But fear is three times more powerful than greed. And you can see that reflected in the way that stocks move. When stocks try to you know start to sell off, the sell-offs are th- you know about roughly three times more powerful and quick than than uh the bullish moves and if you think about that from like a um like an evolutionary standpoint like which is worse having too much food or having not enough yeah that's true yeah because when it falls it falls so the nice thing about being short is that you should know pretty quickly (laughs) if you were right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And so you just get out. And, and I think that's one of the things that, that I learned the hard way was always thinking it's like, okay, well, I'll just get average up or average down. It'll, it'll eventually, you know, do what I want it to do. And obviously that's never going to happen. <laughs> and I learned that the hard way. Uh, so I don't, <laughs> I'm like, I'll just go ahead and take it. Cause here recently, like I, I lost a little bit of confidence in what I was doing. So I just kind of stopped trading with my money and I, I went back to paper trading and, and just, you know, doing it the same way that I would. Like, I, I'm, I'm not the type when I go out to paper trade, I'll put like $400,000 out there. I'll put what I have in my account and then I'll go with what I think I was going to do and see if it would work out. And then kind of just, mm-hmm. if I would have just stayed where I was at the moment, would I have been okay? And just, that's kind of how I got my confidence back here recently. And then I started trading like, now I'm just going to buy 10. I'm just buying I'm 10 shares right now. <laughs> I'm good if I go up 50 cents. I'll just, you know, do that. And then starting my confidence back here in the last few, last few months. That's a tricky thing when you lose that. I'd just recently mm-hmm. been struggling with that myself. I, um, we started a, a limited series with Orderflow labs and like right off the get go, like uh, the stuff that they were teaching us, like it all just clicked immediately. And then suddenly I was, you know, making two X, you know, uh, profit factor on like everything I was doing for like a month and just felt like I was on top of the world, but, uh, too much confidence is a bad thing too. It's really hard to, <laughs> yeah. to try to stay centered. It, it really is. And, and I looked, I went back and looked at some of my trading before it mattered, so to speak, before I was doing it full time. Mm-hmm. And there was days where I was like, I was making two and $3,000, but I wasn't scared. Right. But it was also extremely just kind of foolish if I thought that, that was going to happen all the time, which I didn't. I, I wasn't thinking that was going to be daily um, because, you know, I'd have a Lamborghini in the garage. Um, but, right. uh, so, and the car, not the bike. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Um, but, you know, so I kind of, I kind of also look back and I was like, okay, I know how to do this. I just need to not, if I'm, if I'm just going to say, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold it. I know that there's, I know that there's a negative number right there in my profit loss, but I just need to stay with it because I've done that before and, you know, it's worked out, but it kind of gets a little more scary right now with, with the market because nothing, you know, the market's never predictable, but it's really not predictable at all right now. There's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. What's the, the saying that we've heard? The markets are irrational, but they're predictably irrational. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was, it can be irrational longer than you can stay solvent. 
Oh, well, that, that, that too. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Both good lessons to learn. <laughs> yeah. Have you uh, dived into any of the psychology yet? Not really. Mm-hmm. I, I do. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> that is um, what I think we found was the most surprising thing about this, this career path is that the setups don't matter. Um, what matters is your risk reward, um, like where your take profits are and your stop losses, making sure that you're, you're following good practices in that regards, and then consistency, like not going off plan, sticking to the setups that you've identified, that you've got data that shows that are profitable. Like that's, it's simple. It, it sounds so simple, but it sounds so simple. you're fighting yourself every time, every step of the way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there there are days when I'll I'll lose maybe fifty sixty dollars, which isn't a lot to a lot of people, but you know it can it can be quite a bit for me at times. But I'll go back and look and and I'll say you know what I, I did lose, but I traded the right way and I got out on the right things. But maybe I didn't stop when I should have because there's days when you know you just you lose on this trade, you lose on this trade, you lose on this trade, and I tell myself I just need to stop, and mm-hmm. I will, and then like a moron. I'll go back into the market and think, ah, I'll make it up now. And no, no, you don't. You just lose more. I stopped for 30 minutes. That's good enough. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. we've all done that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing that I think really helped me when I was first starting out um, was doing, God, what was it? It was Georgia's zoning challenge. And this is more futures that we did, um, but I think you pretty much do it with any like index or, or equity that you like to watch where you just spend three weeks charting levels, looking for support resistances, and then just observing prices interactions and writing down your what you notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, not doing it with any positions, not trying to even think about taking any trades, just observing. And one of the benefits of that that really helped me was, was the patience that I developed from that. When you see you know, three or four profitable setups that would have worked out throughout the course of pretty much every day, it makes it less. It makes it feel a lot less um, urgent that you take every single setup that pops up. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good point. That feeling of missing something is such a big thing to try to overcome. It really is, and even though I tell myself, "Look, it's not the right time to jump in," you know, you need to look for a different setup. There's still days when I'm like, "No, no, it's good, it's good. No, I'll just catch the tail end of it and be, and I'll be all right." And 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 I know better. I know better, mm-hmm. but I do it anyway. So, yeah, I mean, patience is something I definitely need to learn uh, the easy way, you know, like you're saying, right. and not the, not the expensive way. Uh, having quick take profits, too, is another thing I think George talked about a lot. Um, so that way you can, like, once you're, you're through the, the zoning challenge, then you just, you're just looking for a two, two to one risk reward, basically, or I think he was using one and a half at the time. Uh, get paid and then observe. Don't try to run any runners, just observe. Just observe without any bias or directional, uh, uh, you know, I guess bias. Uh, like once you've, once you've taken your profit out, now you can sit back, watch it without feeling like it needs to keep going or, or you know, what, what you're wishing will happen. When you're trading, are you, are you like, tr- like, oh, I'll buy you know, 100 shares of that and I'll sell. Oh, look, it's going up. I'll sell 20. Oh, it's going up a little more. I'll sell 20 more. Is that, is that your style or are you just doing all or none ins and outs? I used to do just partial. And then I found that when I did that, if it moved, then I would end up, I would end up, even if I made, even if I, if I won on the trade, it wouldn't be as much as I would have if I just would have sold all and then waited and then went back in, you know, into the position. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So th- th- that's kind of the thing that I've learned about about me anyway, is if I, you know, buy 100 and then it's going up, I'm like, oh, I'll sell 25 and then do that. And then I end up, I was like, okay, well, I made $3. When I, if I would have just sold all of it at that one time, it would have been 25 So mm-hmm. I, I've, I've just kind of, it's an all or nothing thing for me. Yeah, the 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 lure of the runners is hard to overcome. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> really that I still struggle with, even though I have data that shows me it's pretty much a wash. Mm-hmm. Uh, like take everything at your first take profit, or try to hold out for a stretch. Uh, it basically makes no difference, yeah. at least in the style that I've I've been working on or the setups that I've been trying to to develop. The other thing that that. I learned the hard way as well because I think that's the only way you learn, really. Yes, I mean, you, you can you can <laughs> you can learn stuff all you want, but you, you really don't learn it until until you get a hit. I used to get up in early and trade pre market, and then I quickly realized that that's not the way to go. And then I would do it again, and I would I would have a really good trade. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do that. And then I would do it the next day and lose more than than I made the previous day. So I was just like, I set my alarm for like eight. Because the market's open here at eight thirty, mm-hmm. and I don't even mess around with with anything anymore. I'm just like, eight o'clock, good breakfast. I'm at my computer at eight thirty when everything's starting to kick off, or eight fifteen, kind of looking around to see what's going on. Because if I get, if I sit down too early, I'll start trading too early and and just mm-hmm. making stupid mm-hmm. mistakes. And it's like you can't and you just just sleep, just get more sleep. <laughs> yeah, in that case, uh, it might make sense to do like your your prep work the night before, yeah. almost. So that way you don't have the option. Exactly. Uh, you made another really good point too about um, like having a win, a win that was based on like bad trading, but still works out like how that can cost you uh, further down the road more than you made on that trade. Like the example I can think of is like gambling on uh, earnings calls. No, oh, yeah. Like you hit one that just, you know, gives you a hundred X reward. Mm-hmm. And then now you're just swinging for the fences every, every time you see yeah, one that looks time. similar. <laughs> yeah 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 that man any mistake you can think of i'm that guy we've all made them though <laughs> helps too to think of it like you're just paying tuition yeah like there's no university that we can go to to learn all this stuff like, you know, there's no four-year college so just think of it like you're just paying your tuition and that is a good point and my tuition is less than my wife's student loans for a master's degree so i feel like i'm exactly. still exactly <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask you about some of the, the educational content that you found when you first started. Was there anything that like really helped you out uh, that you recommend people to check out if somebody comes and says like, hey, what do you do? Like, how do I learn how to do that? I would love to say yes. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I read some books and we love books. Yeah, it, it kind of helped, but it kind of didn't. I can't think of any of the names. Um, I, I watched uh uh, YouTube channel, the, the Clay Trader. Clay Trader? Yeah, Clay Trader is, is his YouTube channel. I, I, and I watch that and he kind of, he does show his, his live trades. He's got, obviously, he's got a much larger portfolio. So when he, you know, when he, right. when he wins, it's a big win. Um, but he also is, is kind of honest with the whole, when you first start out, you're not going to be doing this. You're not going to be making this much mm-hmm. money. You're, you know, it takes a while to learn it. And, you, and then he talks about trading without emotion and making sure that you know your your trades are are the right way and you know talking about like you guys talking about the the two to one and making sure stop losses are set and making sure you know what you want to make before you get in and and doing all that so i feel like that one is probably the the most on youtube that i watched because it was it wasn't the whole make a thousand dollars a day or 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 any of that stuff it was it was more honest right 
it's just this easy. Just click buy when I do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't any of that. Yeah. So I feel like that was, I was already best, but I think that really the, the best thing that, that I did was just fought off the urge to start trading with real money while I was paper trading. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's where I learned most of the stuff. I mean, yeah, you're going to, you're, you're going to, your biggest education comes when you start using your own, but you know, making sure that you don't, you know, when you're paper trading, you, you trade the exact same way you would if it was your money. Don't go in there and, and buy a thousand shares or something because, you know, oh, it's not my money. Well, that's not what you're going to do or it's not what I was going to do in, in actual trading. So just focusing on the paper trading the way that I would do it if it was my own money was, was probably my biggest education that, that I got. It's almost like paper trading lets you trade without emotions. It's like the only way to really trade without those emotions. Uh, once you graduate from paper trading, then it becomes time to learn about your emotions and how to manage them, I, I think. Yeah, your subconscious knows you're not risking anything on a paper trade. Yeah. But you still need to learn how to do, like, what setups work. You still need yeah. to collect data. You still like, need to still... do it. I'm, yes. I'm just saying the, the feeling's <laughs> going to be different. Oh, yeah. for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's why I don't think, it, I mean, it's good to try to treat it the same way, but it's really hard to do. <laughs> it, it is because you know, when you see a negative number when you're paper trading, it, it, you're right. Because you're just like, you just, okay, well. Yeah, mm, I'll just whatever. reset the balance and start over. <laughs> yeah. It's more like, a, it's more like a, oh, well, that didn't work. I'll just try something else. So. Yeah. 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 But when you, when you're actually doing it, you, you see that number and you, you get a little scared. You make a bad decision. You're like, oh, you know, I'll just, I'll just buy twice as many as I have right now. That's the chances <laughs> it keeps going that direction. Got to reverse sometime, right? Yeah, can't go up forever. I still make that mistake. Yep, that is so hard to get out of. It can't keep going up. It's so extended. There's got to be a pullback. Right. Well, yeah. Wait for the market to tell you it's ready. Yeah, and, and you know what? There will be, but. Not for a day trader. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, maybe not in your time frame. Right, exactly. It's the, uh, the, the learning to stop trying to anticipate and then react to what the market is telling you, I think, is the, the key there. Yeah, and, and what I've done recently is if, regardless of what kind of day I'm having, because like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in a very fortunate position than where a lot of people are probably at when they start day trading in the fact that if I don't make any money, it doesn't change, you know, my family's financial situation. Right. What we're going to, so it's it's a little more, it's a little less stressful. I still want to do well. I still want to make money and all that. But if I don't, it's it's not the end of the world. Right. And that's really the ideal situation to be in, too. Oh yeah, yeah. I think uh, so, so when I took I'm, the plunge, <laughs> I probably should have <laughs> spent a little more time building up that nest egg. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to lie. The severance helped when I, when I lost when I lost my job in December. The severance did help, kind of right. put that behind, you know, put that back. But even if if that wasn't there, um, I still would have been all right. But now I find myself. I, I trade. I, I, there's a number I want to hit. It's a very small number a day right now. It's just like mm-hmm. I just want to make fifty dollars and be done. But at the same time, I look at the time. How long have I been trading? So if I'm still trading at you know ten o'clock. I'm like, all right, I'm done. Right. Because I know that it's just going to, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to make any good decisions. And then plus the market gets pretty slow. So that you're, you're not going to make a lot between those times anyway. Well, it's good to recognize that. That's something that a lot of people I think uh, struggle with too, is recognizing like what kind of mental capacity you have. Like you're not going to be 
at peak form, you know, four hours into the day. No. Um, why don't we talk? Okay. So what do you use to analyze your charts? Like um, if you're, you're not so much into technical analysis, like uh, you, you said, you're more of a pattern guy. I'd like to say that. Yeah. Um, Which I, I technically do is technical analysis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, that's probably the one place where I need to get a whole lot better mm-hmm. is, is being able to um, notice when the right time to enter or when it's already too late mm-hmm. is I, and I think it's, it's the, it's the latter. It's, it's noticing when, you know, you've missed this one and you need to, you need to wait. It's kind of like a, it's in the back of my mind. I just forget about it a lot. I grew up in Florida and I surfed when I, you know, cause almost everybody does. I want to come back to that at some point here too. So, <laughs> it's, so it's like you're, you're sitting there and you're watching the swells and everything. And, you know, if you miss a wave, you're like, eh, that's all right. You know, it, it's going to come back and, and you don't try and, you know, waste your energy on one that, you know, it's not the right setup. So it, it's kind of like that mentality. It's like, okay, I miss the, the I miss those few swells, but there's going to be some more that's going to be coming. I just need to make sure that I wait for the right time to, mm-hmm. to, to jump in there. And like I said, I, it's in the back of my mind. I try and remember that, but there's a lot of days when, that doesn't matter. Yeah, you miss the the you miss the buy entry, and then you think, oh well, now it's up where I was going to take profit, so let's short it. Yeah, no, that's not the same trade. No, <laughs> no, because then it just continues to go up, and I'm like, I know if I would have bought that, it just would have fell. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely the one place that I could I could get a whole lot better, which would probably make a huge difference on on my trading. Um, if you haven't read Markets and Profile, I would recommend you check that book out. It is a bit of a dry read, but uh, there's some really, really interesting information in there about using volume profile and uh, explaining a TPO charts. If you haven't fallen down that rabbit hole yet, uh, you'll have a lot of fun reading that. And what book isn't dry when it comes to the market? So, you know, you- <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator is pretty entertaining. I enjoyed that one. <laughs> Um, let's see, YouTube channels. Um, I'd also recommend you check out Trade Pro Academy. Uh, they're, they've got a great uh, uh, list of, of videos on their YouTube that are free to check out, uh, in addition to like a pretty reasonable course that they offer. Uh, they've got a fundamentals and options and a futures course. But the fundamentals was fantastic. Dan and I both took that and just loved it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They'll walk you through. It's 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 like the uh, crash course for the university. If if the university had a four year program, yeah. the The founder George he worked for an institution, so he's basically just teaching you the material that they teach their institutional traders. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I consider myself a beginner every day, mm-hmm. no matter how well I've done the previous days. It, it's just I, I don't go in with any kind of. I mean, I, I like to be a little confident, but I don't go in overconfident and. In in this in in this job, I guess you you never. I don't think you ever really figure it all out. You you just constantly have to learn. So you know, it's very humbling. Oh yeah, I think is the word. Yeah, yeah. It, and if you aren't, if you aren't, and you don't think you ever will be, yeah, you will you be. Will be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you will make sure that you are several times a day <laughs> if you're not careful. Uh, do you have anything you want to ask us about trading? Like, how long have you guys been doing this? Because I mean, I listened to. A couple of episodes and you guys were talking about technical analysis and, and all that. I was like, yeah, I don't do all that or I should know that, but I don't even, I don't even know what he's talking about right now. So 
I think it all started, uh, I mean, we'd been dabbling with investing. We'd been more like long-term investors for most of our lives. Uh, it was right about, right before the COVID crash. I think it was sometime in January, just before that, where Dan sent me a book by Nicholas Darvis, mm-hmm. uh, detailing his his box strategy. <laughs> and it was like our first taste of technical analysis. And we started. Oh, yeah. Started kind of just jumping in from there. Then the podcast happened shortly after that. We've also had a bit of an accelerated learning path just because of all the amazing people that we get to talk to through the nature of doing this show. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I'd say it's been at least a good solid two years. Uh, and even then, still, uh, I mean, I'm still trying to get better than break even. Yeah. I'm still paying that tuition. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> The, the big realization is that it's not about trying to make money initially. It's about trying to limit your losses and then not, not moving stops, not moving your take profits or stops. Like if I put the risk on, then I need to let it play out. If, uh, if it was good enough to take the risk, then, then it's either take profit or stop. Yeah. If I hadn't moved my stop today on the one trade I made, I would have hit my take profit. Mm-hmm. But I moved my stop to break even and to scratch out. It scratched out and... Then the rest of the day, well, not the, the whole rest of the day, but it, it definitely hit my take profit and then some. If I just let it sit, mm-hmm. I'm still trying to learn that one. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's a really good point for, for people that are, are trying to get into this or just starting. It, it's like, it's, like you said, it's not a, it's not a you're going to start making money right away. It's, you know, you're, you're going to be learning and you're going to be paying for that education. And then, you know, break even days are... They're not bad days. <laughs> no, you got to learn for free, basically. Exactly, exactly. And then, uh, God, there's another, I, I keep quoting George, but uh, George over at TradePro, that we just, he was one of our favorite uh, past guests. I think, uh, what was he saying? Uh, in that course, he's talking about, uh, like the person who comes in is like, okay, this is great. And so now that I've taken your course, now I can, where, when do I get my Lambo? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, well, hold on a second, but you just started a new job. Like, are you going to, are you going to go start working for Volkswagen at the showroom floor as a janitor and then go in demand to be CEO and all the perks that come with that too? Or are you going to put in a little bit of time? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on if you're a millennial or Gen Xer. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think one of the books I read talked about if you expect to make any, if you expect to actually make money on a consistent basis within the first 18 months, just don't even bother. Right. Mm-hmm. Just, just stay away from it because mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to happen. I mean, I'm sure some people are out there. They're like, yeah, I started doing it immediately. Start making a ton of money. Well, good for you. <laughs> I guess I'm just not as smart, but. Oh, that's just pure luck is what that comes down to. For sure. Yeah. 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 That's- I mean, the person who YOLO'd their life savings into AMC and managed to sell it, that's not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm sure they went right over to crypto and. and <laughs> learned I mean, yes, lesson. exactly. <laughs> that's the, what was the example of a trade win that actually cost you money. Right. Um, okay. Before we run out of time, then I got to jump back to your, your, your service. Then you, you mentioned that you served in the army twice. Yeah. What in God's name made you want to go back? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. There's just something about it. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. The, the army is a lot of fun when you are not at home, mm. but it's not conducive to a good marriage. Um, you know, it's, because what I did is I went out with the infantry and I just looked for things to blow up with artillery or helicopters or airplanes. So that was fun. Uh, it doesn't really, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really <laughs> do anything for real, you know, to, for when you get out. But it was just a lot of fun. And, and I was real bored with banking and I couldn't think of anything else. And I was just like, you know what? I really enjoyed that. 
the benefits are really amazing too. So let's 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 see that. And yeah, you know, it was it was fun, but um, I don't know. I, I was a little bit older too, and it's 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 hard keeping up with eighteen year old kids. Oh God, yeah. You know, <laughs> especially because I went in at twenty two, and then you know when I went back in, I was like twenty eight. So it's it's it was pretty Oof. tough keeping up, but. Um, it, it is fun. It gives you a sense of purpose, uh, and that sort of thing. And I, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So I'm really hoping this day trading thing works out because I really like the schedule. <laughs> Otherwise, UPS. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Something else. But, but no, I mean, it, I, I enjoyed my time in the army. I mean, it was, it was, it was good. Have you ever had that dream where you're, you're late for like muster? No. Like that, like, like, uh, oh God, or, or I, like, I still have boat dreams. I was in the Navy for six years, uh, submarines. Uh, occasionally I'll still have a dream where like, oh shit, I'm, you know, the, so like a fan shuts off and we lose power and I just bolt up out of bed thinking that, oh no, we got to drill. I got to go suit up uh, and grab the, you know, the gear and go running <laughs> the, the, the stupid shit like that, that still wakes me up every now and then that, that keeps me from wanting to go back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There are some things like uh, you know getting in trouble because you know I, I had soldiers that were on leave and they were in Michigan and they got a DUI and I'm in Texas and I'm getting woken up. You know, it's it's three thirty in the morning. My first sergeant yelling at me why my soldier got a DUI. I'm like, sorry, I couldn't go pick him up. You know, <laughs> what do you want to do? <laughs> he's he's twenty one. What do you think? What do you think he got a DUI? <laughs> yeah, like, same reason I did at twenty one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, the, those the, I don't I don't have that. Luckily, do you hear any? Uh, or what's your favorite uh, service joke? Like what 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 branch does the army like to pick on the most? I'm gonna guess Air Force, but well, yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. Or some of the jokes. Uh, you know, I don't. You know, I obviously like the Chair Force. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but at the same time, I mean, they they, they kind of got it right. Because I mean, oh, even God, even I the know. hard jobs are easy. I mean, except for a few. But I mean, like you go out and like if you're calling for aircraft for for you know for bombs, you go out with the Joint Tactile Air Controller, which is the guy that you know in the Air Force that controls the planes. But you do all the work, and mm-hmm. then all he does is he just takes the radio and tells the pilots like cleared hot. So he's just basically taking responsibility for if you blow something up wrong. But you do all the stuff, and then you just hand him the radio. He's like, yeah, you're cleared. I'll go or whatever. So, I mean, they, they kind of still have it figured out and their deployments are half of what ours were. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we did 15 months in Iraq and I saw four different sets of, <laughs> of Air Force guys. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, make fun of them all you want, but they, apparently they got something figured out. <laughs> I have to ask my dad about that. He was in the, uh, the first Iraq war over there in the Air Force. Yeah, it's, it, 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 was, it was something. But. <laughs> uh, and you're from Florida, too? Yeah, that's where I grew up. I'm in. I, I live in Alabama now. Um, partially hostage because my my wife's family lives here. Um, but yeah, I, I, I grew up in Florida in in, in Orlando, so I uh, I got to deal with all the Disney stuff, but also the beach. What's your favorite Florida man story? Oh, is there one that you can pick? Uh, no, no, because some of them I relate to. You know, when they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like when I try and convince people, it's like, look, alligators are not that aggressive. All you got to do is you grab them by the tail and then put your hand on the back of their head. And as long as they're not over six feet long, they're good. It's not a problem. And they just look at you like, are you crazy? <laughs> so, so I think I might have Florida man jokes on my own. <laughs> <laughs> 
So can you explain the Disney thing now that you mentioned that? Like, what is the big deal there? Why is there such a big fight over it? I hate, I hate Disney. I mean, we took our kids a, a few years ago and it was great watching them, but being from, from there, it just causes, I don't know. There's just so much, it's a cult, man. That's what it is. It's like Mickey Mouse is like Jim Jones. And the only thing, <laughs> except instead of Kool-Aid, you just drop your savings because everything is so damn expensive out there. And, but it's, you're paying for the experiment or the experience. And it's like, they, they've got that part figured oh, it out. It might be experiment. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Were you paying attention to the, the feud that's been going on between Disney and the state? Yeah, kind of, but not really. I mean, I don't put a lot. It's just like in the end, Disney's going to win whatever mm-hmm. it is. I don't know what it is, but they're, they're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that mouse has all the money, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Oh, all right. I think we covered most everything, but we do have one last bit that I wanted to discuss. Uh, and I kind of ran it by you earlier. Um, there's been a lot of, we, we like to bash Elon quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's been a uh, running pastime of the show for the past 18 months. And that's on him and his behavior that we have no special dislike for him, but just it man's a cartoon. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is. Yeah. <laughs> So, so we asked you before you came on if you'd like to take part in like a, a real debate. It's the first time we've we've done anything like this, where uh, one of you gets to argue the for, one the against uh, side of whether or not Elon Musk is a superhero or supervillain. Uh, you took the easy way out and went with supervillain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how else I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> So I think the way we're going to do this is we'll do uh, we'll give each person let's say two minutes to to argue their side and then we'll give each person a minute to respond to the other person's arguments. Two minutes, Jesus! Do you need less or more? Uh, I'm assuming I have to argue that he's a superhero. Yes, I might need less. That's a lot of time to fill. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like fifteen, twenty seconds. To be like, uh, he this. He puts things into space. <laughs> All right, and then uh, we're going to do a Twitter poll to pick the winner. So uh, I think we already got. I think we already see which way this is going. Right. Uh, yeah. no. <laughs> Dan, you're supposed to take this seriously. Come on. Now. I'm. Ta- hey, whoa, whoa! Wait till you hear my argument first. Come on. Oh. Now. All right. So who goes first? Now feel free, Dan. Go uh, ahead. Oh, 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 that sounds okay. like a confident man. Oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> damn it. Oh, there, well, there goes using the precious two minutes to do my research. <laughs> no, 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 I've got like a page and a half already written. I'm ready for this. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, we may let you can use Dan's time if he doesn't right, take it. All off. right, so Elon Musk is a superhero. In, in many ways. And we'll start out with the most obvious one. He's very, very rich. And if comic <laughs> books have taught me anything, it's that a lot of superheroes like Batman, Iron Man, they just got so much money, they can throw it at a problem until it goes away. Mm. Uh, what you know, Whether it's Batman needs a car that can fly, Elon Musk needs a car that he can shoot into space you know the, the correlations are vast and, and buried he also I, you know and, and on, a, on a more serious note uh you know the the electric car itself the concept's been around since the car existed right i mean mm-hmm. the, we had uh, we had electric railway systems like the using electricity to power uh an engine is not new we've had electric motors forever 
but it wasn't until he came along with a big fat pile of superhero money and started pushing the issue did the car companies actually get on board and have to follow and now are now playing catch up. And as someone who feels that uh, electric uh, is is much more cleaner than releasing all this uh, carbon. Uh, you know, I feel I feel like that that that's a that's a super thing that he's done to to help push the world in a better direction. Uh, he's revived the space program like we weren't we weren't even trying to expand science that way. Uh, it seemed it was contracting. We were doing less shuttle launches. I mean, I don't even think NASA had their own shuttle program uh, for a bit. Could be wrong about that. I have to look it up. But no, you're right. Uh, there were we were hitching rides with uh, the the Russian program on their Soyuz with the Russians. Yeah. Right. And then he, he was like, hey, we should be doing this again and we can do it better. Why are we reusing rockets? Why, why are they disposable? Yeah, he, he, that's a good point. He reduced our dependency on Russian rocketry. <laughs> on Russian rocketry. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Uh, he's, he certainly brought up interest in, in actually getting to Mars and colonizing it, hopefully before the Russians and the Chinese do. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, yeah, all in all, a force for good. He's he's even bringing to light uh, the overpopulation of the Earth by single-handedly trying to overpopulate the Earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, so how does the debate typically work? Do you just get to make your case now? Oh, no. I... <laughs> <laughs> or or does he, is he supposed to respond to your argument? Yeah. Uh, uh, rebuttal? <laughs> um, I think you get to make your case first. Okay, yeah. yeah then we'll do rebuttals. Let's start with that because I need to put out a disclaimer first. And that this is my opinion, and in no way am I trying to hurt Elon Musk in any way. <laughs> 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 uh, it's very important because I don't know what if this catches on and it gets back to him. I want to make sure that he knows that this Ooh. is just for fun here. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I mean, my twenty-seven cents of net worth is not going to be any comparison to his in court. So I just want to make sure that we, we put that out there first. And hey, it's a person's right to make as much money as they want and as they can. Um, mm-hmm. I'm totally good with that because I hope I can do that one day. However, with that being said. He's a supervillain. And, you know, if I had $330 billion, I don't know if I could sleep at night without doing more for the world. And, I mean, for somebody to say that they are cash poor, um, I believe the definition for him is a bit different for our. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so all this stuff is tied up in stocks. So what can you do? You know, you know, like I said, this is just some ramblings of some random dude on a podcast. Um, but SpaceX just launched their 36th mission last week, and they had Starlink satellites that went up. Starlink is his little pet project to bring uh, the Internet to more people. I, I think it's 30 plus countries right now that, that can get into there. But if you own all of that Internet, how much control do you have over it? I mean, can you block other sites? Can you make sure that what you want people to see first when they search something comes up first? You know, I'm not sure, but it's a possibility. Um, There's also Tesla. You know, eventually these cars are going to be driving themselves everywhere, which is going to be great. But you have to put in where you want to go. So how is that data going to be used? Could it be that more people are putting in the coordinates to go shopping in this area? So he sells that information so that marketing can be used by other companies, you know, mm. and then like the, the info of what you're looking up on the internet for Starlink. Um, what can he do with that? 
can he provide, you know, services to other companies where they can have that or just track people? I don't know. Um, and then, of course, you can't talk Elon without Twitter. <laughs> he backed out of the deal because of the whole bot situation. He wants to know how many. I don't know if he wants to know how many because of the whole free speech and people should be. Able to, I, I don't I don't I'm not buying that. I think he wants to know. So he knows how many algorithms he needs to change to potentially push a certain message. So, cause we know a single tweet from him can turn the markets around 180 degrees. Mm. So he said, Hey, I'm going to buy Twitter. Twitter went crazy. Hey, I'm backing out. Twitter went down. So, you know, he's not insider trading, but if you know, something's coming, you wait and then you tweet about it. What's I mean, you know, what direction is going to go in for Elon. And if right. you are quote cash poor and everything's in stock, why wouldn't you want that? <laughs> so, um, you know, and then the bots, if you control them the right way with algorithms, how do you know that that's not pushing a certain message for a certain sector that he's going to invest in? And then mm-hmm. also not insider trading. I know that we have government agencies that are supposed to control all that, but let's be real. They're not. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. There's just, and let's, let's be honest. It's hard to trust billionaires anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's, he's got top secret projects with SpaceX, you know, cars that are eventually going to send every bit of data to him. And I don't know if he's going to use it for ethical reasons or not use it at all. He backs out of deals. I don't know. It just kind of, it, 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 it doesn't make sense to me for, for somebody that is so pro everything to be kind of secretive and then back out of things and not be a man of his word. And, and I know that they're going to go to court and talk about it, but I don't know. What if he decides to buy Twitter after court case? And then it's just going to go up even more. Who knows? So, but like I said, I'll end it by saying all conspiracy theory on my part, garbage. No way. <laughs> so you want to hear this? It's just, it's just my argument. Conspiracy theory was man. Wow. You didn't even go the easy route. Uh, I mean, like he's trying to set up fucking bases in space. Like, yes, he's definitely a super villain. <laughs> Moonraker. <laughs> Yeah. Did you see the picture of his body? He looks like fucking Mike Myers. No, you know, I didn't want to go. T- <laughs> I, I didn't want to go too much into the space part. My son is graduating in December with an aeronautical engineering degree, and he's probably going to work for SpaceX. So I don't want to screw that oh, up for him. <laughs> oh, well, you should argue the other side then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you really didn't want to screw it up, for him. <laughs> is it? Do I do I get a rebuttal now? Do I, yes. do I get a rebuttal? Yes, Look, Dan, you're, you're rebuttal. Elon Musk is not putting computer chips in people's brains with Neuralink to data mine our brains. It's to help us with math, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because Jason. he's generous, and that's how he got rich, by being generous and loving and caring. Yeah, I don't know. I got nothing. It sounds pretty <laughs> dire. So y- you did say that... that- you know, electric vehicles are better because of, of the, the emissions. How long does a battery last in a Tesla? I believe it's like 100,000 miles. So what are we going to mm-hmm. do with all those batteries once they run out? Let's shoot them into space, obviously. Shoot them into space. <laughs> Won't be a problem up there. <laughs> that's what we'll use to fire at the next big asteroid that's coming our way. Right. Brilliant. Ah, Let's do it. All right. Well, well, I think, uh, listeners, uh, go ahead and show your support for the person you think who won. We'll make sure we have a Twitter poll in the episode description when this airs. Man, should have tried harder with my rebuttal. Damn it. Yeah, I know who's got my I, vote. I wanted to make a <laughs> joke, though. Damn. <laughs> <laughs>
Curse my showmanship. <laughs> I'm a little terrified of, of all the data collection, especially uh, after I spent some time working for all the different data centers. Oh, yeah, yeah. And seeing what, what capacity they already have. I mean, let's just talk about something. I'll just say a word. I don't know of anything that I've never even thought of buying, and my iPhone will give me a million ads on it on whatever <laughs> social media site I go to after we get done. I mean, so <laughs> it's oh. that easy there, so... I sent one dick pic and I get ads for Peyronie's disease. <laughs> uh, I don't even. I don't want to look that up because I don't want. I don't want uh, Google sending me ads. <laughs> hey, can I borrow your phone for a second? I need. Yeah, I know, right? Ah. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay. Whew. Yes. Good time. Good we, time. I think we did it. I think we. I think we nailed it. All right. Oh. Sweet. Jason, do you want to, uh, one last time, tell everybody where they can find you if they want to hear more? Yeah, uh, just completely off the rails. Just just searching on wherever you, you um, are looking for your podcasts. Um, it is a, uh, it's just, we, we talk about relationship issues, uh, things that are, are serious, communication issues, things that are kind of crazy. People argue over the right way to eat corn on the cob. And we kind of talk about that and we just joke around and and, and we have a good time. We we have uh, we we do talk about stuff on on Reddit, um, but it's very out there. Um, it, it, it's hilarious. I mean, obviously, um, but you know, <laughs> but it, it, I enjoyed we it. We talk about we do talk about everything, and you know, and if you don't like uh, profanity, <laughs> do not <laughs> don't even bother <laughs> to click on it because uh, th- that's that's a fair warning. And if you get your feelings hurt easily, also don't click on it because. I mean, we, we, we really don't censor ourselves. I thought, I, I thought we had a funny disclaimer. I, <laughs> I thought yours was pretty entertaining. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. My wife likes to say, you know, there's no reason to F up her podcast by a review. So stay off of it. Okay. No way. Before we go now, uh, what is the right way to eat corn? I don't know. Side to side is 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 the way that I do it, but some people actually eat it like like they roll it. Like what? Take a bite and roll it, right? I just that I don't, is insane. Yeah, I don't understand that, but they do. No, yeah, as a roller, You're let a me roller? say, uh, yes, it's the only way to make sense. The movement of your jaw naturally rolls the cob as you eat. Come on now, it's physics. Except all of the stuff that you put on the corn, all puddles on one line. So you have to eat that, then dip again. Yeah, you got to hold it at a certain angle. No, no, no. You keep it. You keep it rolling, and the butter just keeps rolling with you. Are you eating it with it in the tray, or are you picking it up and holding it? I uh, whatever it takes, baby. <laughs> We, we did come to a consensus that no matter how you eat it, you there's always like 14 pieces of corn stuck in your mouth when you're when you, in your teeth. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter how you corn eat it. Corn is also magical too, because it seems like no matter how much you've eaten off of the ear, you can still get more out of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is true. And I'm sure there's people, they eat the cob. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sure there's a big group of them in Florida running around somewhere. Just going to make the Florida joke. <laughs> yeah. And that's an example of how things go completely off the rails. Exactly. Boom. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, All right. Jason, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us here in the shop today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think, feel like we, we covered a lot of good topics. We, uh, we talked about some things that we can actually learn from, and then we had a lot of fun. Uh, all the hallmarks of a good podcast, in my opinion. Absolutely. 
Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for sticking around to the end with us, folks. But unfortunately, we are going to close up shop here. Uh, unless anybody wants to get one final word in edgewise. No? Uh, okay. Typewriter. That's how I eat. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't even, I don't know what that means. Uh, you, you, you go side to side, chunk, 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 rotate, reset. <sighs> yeah, you're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> All right, Dan, take us home. All right, folks, uh, we'll be back at you soon with another thrilling episode. Thanks for sticking around. Until next time, happy trades. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.